What sets us apart is our ability to get our clients meaningful press placement. We have multiple clients on national TV, major websites, magazines every single day. So we are really delivering those results for our clients. Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation, a talent equity and leadership coaching and advisory firm. We partner with founders and CEOs to create talent-centric organizations, either where they don't currently exist or rebuild companies into talent-centric organizations. We are committed to supporting your vision and values by creating healthy, successful companies, leveraging the best talent, retention, development, and succession strategies. Listen at the end of the show for information about becoming my next guest on one of the most important podcasts for building thriving companies. Here we go. Joining me today is Annie Scranton, founder and president of Pace Public Relations. Founded in 2010, Annie has been growing her agency, focusing on getting her clients regular TV and media coverage to build their brands. She also has her own bi-monthly podcast, The PR Pace. Prior to forming Pace PR, Annie worked for nearly a decade as a seasoned television producer, booking for major networks such as CNN, Fox News, CNBC, MSNBC, and ABC. Annie has also had experience writing for various outlets, including the Asbury Park Press, Huffington Post, Law 360, PR News, and many others. She's a graduate of Smith College, where she served as editor-in-chief of the weekly newspaper, The Sophian. She also received her master's in PR from New York University. Annie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's my pleasure to have you. So tell me a little bit, let's start with kind of how you got your start um, as a booking agent and producer with a number of well-known, um, agencies, but you moved around a lot prior to starting your own agency. So tell me a little bit about that journey to founding your own company. Yes. Well, I, I always wanted to work in TV news. Um, I would watch the Today Show every morning with my parents and I wanted to be Katie Couric. Um, and, you know, when I went to school and was starting to study journalism and media, you know, realized that I wasn't willing to move to, you know, somewhere outside of New York to get my start. So I thought I would, I would start mm-hmm. on the producing side. Right. Um, and, Honestly, had had about five different interviews to get my foot in the door at MSNBC. It was really um, hard <laughs> at the time, but you know, it's like everybody has those moments where it's hard to get your foot in the door in your first job. I just kept at it, and um, you know, really loved working in TV news. It was um, a very exciting job. Um, very intense, pressureful. You're you're producing every single day, mm-hmm. um, and I did move around a lot because it was really hard to get promoted in these shows and also to get the pay increase that I was looking for. So mm-hmm. sort of just bounced around with that in mind and didn't realize it, but was building my network at the time was building up all these different producers and also my knowledge of of how each particular network and show mm-hmm. operated. And, um, you know, started my company, it was 12 years ago now. Um, I never thought that I would start a business. It was never a dream of mine. It was never something I thought about. But when I was 28 years old, I was producing for Donnie Deutsch at CNBC. Mm-hmm. 
show got canceled and I found myself without a job and <laughs> sort of panicked. And, you know, I did what any young woman would do. I called my mom and cried. And then as soon as I picked myself up, I sent mm-hmm. an email to everyone in my network okay. and said, lost my job. I need one like help. And Mm -hmm. I got an email back that changed the entire course of my life. It was from a publicist who I had worked with frequently booking his guests on Donnie's show. Mm -hmm. He said to me, I don't think you have any formal PR training, but I have a client. He's a a trader. He just wrote a book on the markets. If you could get him booked on any show on CNBC, Mm -hmm. I'll pay you 500 bucks. And I I pay you how much? 500. 500. Okay. Got it. Mm -hmm. And I, I sent his info to my friend who was booking for the 1 p.m. hour at the time. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, he looks great. Can he come on the show tomorrow? And it was that was my proverbial light bulb moment. That's when I said, all right, I have something here that's sort of special currency. I had worked at all these different networks, knew so many producers, and, and just had that access to them. Um, right. And that's kind of what started it all. That's fantastic. What made it so hard to be promoted at these different shows you were at? Um, in my experience working in TV news was that everybody was sort of fit into a box. Um, you know, and you sort of do your job and then, you know, you're either up for a promotion at a year, but if everybody's sort of status quo and things are working well, then there may not be that, you know, that real reason to promote you. You know, there's yeah. not really an from um, from the network side and also from the network's position, those are really coveted jobs. They have a lot of applicants all the time. So they kind of see it like, you should be grateful and lucky that you're working with us, that you have a job, as opposed to putting a lot of emphasis on wanting to really help the, the employee grow. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't experience a lot of that when I worked well, and really what that, that says a couple of things to me. One is that none of those organizations are what I would consider a talent-centric organization. You know, mm. talent-centric organizations, your, you know, your entire talent strategy is aligned to the executive strategy, right, and vision. And if that's not aligned at that area, right, if they're, you know, they're just a bunch of guys up in a ivory tower, right, um, saying just go do this. You know, where's that? Where's the where's the development? Where, where's the employee development? Where's the leadership development? Right? And you know, what do you, what do you love to do? Either either suck it up or go somewhere else. Well, and that's why at, at, there's so much turnover at these networks. And I, I mean, like I get it; they're big, you know. And, yeah, but, and there's but um, but yeah, yeah. It, it's also an industry where there's a lot of turnover because the news is really intense, and people don't want to necessarily make a long career out of it. You know, a lot of people do what I did, work sort of in their twenties, get that experience. It's exciting, but after a while, you know, you don't want to miss holiday dinners. You don't want to mm-hmm. have to work out. You know, and and you might not want to be steeped in such depressing news day in and day out. Well, I I mean, I can certainly understand that. I mean, I'm not even in that business and I don't want to hear it. (laughs) Right. Like, like, like people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, so you mentioned that, you know, the individual that paid you to get somebody on, you know, mentioned how you didn't have any formal PR training. So how did you make that transition from what you were doing into understanding and, and learning about what it takes to do great public relations? I learned as I went along, to be totally honest with you. Um, you know, I had always been a booker in TV news, so I was responsible for finding the guests, booking them, and then sort of 
holding their hand throughout that whole process. So I think the client service side came naturally to me sure. because of that. You already knew that. Yep. I already knew that. And um, I was scrappy. You know, people were like, I want to get on TV. So when you're pitching producers, you don't need to write this whole long press release or have the, you know, it's like a very quick, are you covering, you know, the Ukraine news? Well, I have, you know, expert X has this opinion or this expertise. So there wasn't a lot of formality that went into it when I started, but I will say as we continue to grow and we got clients who were less individuals and more corporations or brands, then yes, certainly there needed to be a lot of that formality sort of Mm -hmm. weaved in. And and that really came when I made some key hires um, where, you know, my two senior vice presidents had had experience working at agencies or working in-house at large corporations. So honestly, I really learned from them um, as to how to put together the procedures and protocols um, Mm -hmm. for dealing with some of these like bigger, more robust kind of accounts. Yeah. Well, that, and that's really great. Listen, I think this, you know, the smartest leaders, I think anybody will tell you are those who put really smart people around them. I, I really couldn't agree more. Um, I think, you know, you, you're full of hubris if you think you're the only one who yeah. knows how to do it and right. can do it well. And I have learned, I learned, I learned from people on my staff every single day. And I, but I'm also like, if you have a good idea, let's try it. Let's see if it works, you know, let's, let's implement it. Um, so I think sort of having, for me, at least having that inclusivity mindset with my staff has made us stronger. That's fantastic. I've had a number of people say to me, I've got a book coming out in Q2 here this year, and I've had them say to me, among, along with other people, that all PR people are sharks. <laughs> <laughs> Can you speak to that and why people feel that way? (laughs) Well, you have to be tenacious. That is for sure. Because I, I start, I started 12 years ago that just PR and the concept of needing to put yourself out there in order to be successful is tenfold from where it was a decade ago. Right. and I think that is in part due to the proliferation of social media, you know, and people being able to put put their own opinion out there through their own content. Um, but I would just say that, um, you know, in in media, there's there's limited number of spaces. You know, when you open a magazine, there's not endless pages. There's you know fifty pages or whatever. So the real estate for getting your client in there yeah. is small. Right. When you look at cable news okay, there's only so many shows, you know, and they, and so in order to get in on one of those, you have to, you can't just send one pitch and say, okay, well, I did my job. Now let's see what happens. You have to follow up. You have to try different tactics. You have to try different story angles. Um, so I think that's where that um, interpretation of us being all sharks come from is you have to be tenacious. You have to really go after mm-hmm. it. Uh, Cause if you just sort of, rest on your laurels, you're not going to get the results your client is looking for. Right. So you currently have 13 full-time employees and seven freelancers. Tell me about how you've grown to that over the last 12 years, Annie, and and the challenges you've had in growing your business from an employee acquisition standpoint. 
Yeah. Um, slow and steady has always been the way I've done it. Um, somebody gave me a great piece of advice when I was starting. They're like, you know, most businesses fail because they spend too much money. Um, and in those first initial years. So, um, you know, I didn't hire my first employee until year number two. I did it all myself those first Mm -hmm. years. Um, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to, and was just always mindful of that. Um, for sure. Um, biggest challenging with staffing has been since the pandemic. Um, it, has been, you know, this great resignation and, you know, the concept that it's a, it's a higher, it's a, it's a job seekers market. Um, it's really tough to find talent right now, really tough. So we've had to rely on some great freelancers and freelancer connections. Mm-hmm. For um, I've had to hire a staffing agency for the first time, you know, in 12 years, um, who has been helpful in helping us find candidates. Um, but yeah, so that, that I would say that's just been the biggest challenge is just sort of the pandemic has shifted everything for a lot of people and made it harder to find talent, especially senior level talent. Yeah. How, how were you finding talent prior to the pandemic? Referrals and LinkedIn, which I still am for sure. And and that, that's been a the biggest way, um, absolutely, that we found talent and, and, you know, had luck with new clients and things like that. Um, but I think people are at, especially at a senior level, it means you're further along in your career. I think for most, and PR is a very female centric industry. So I think maybe there's something about the fact that women 40 plus, maybe they're not looking to have this full-time job, you know, maybe they want to have more of a flexibility. And so perhaps there's less candidates Mm -hmm. in the market. I don't know. It's just a guess, but, um, that's what we've been experiencing. So when you said prior to the pandemic referrals in LinkedIn and, and regarding LinkedIn, were you just doing the like post and pray method or are you actually going out and actively finding people on your own? No, just by, by posting, I would get enough, I would get enough leads. I would get enough referrals. You would, okay. Yeah. And before I would always go on a say called Media Bistro, which is really for people in the media. um, And I would find good candidates there since the pandemic that hasn't worked as well for me. So tell me a little bit about in, in hiring a staffing agency, you said that that has helped. How has it helped and where is like, where is it working and where isn't it working? It has helped because it started some great conversations um, okay. with potential talent. Um, it has not ultimately worked because each of the candidates had one thing or another that just didn't work for us, whether it was salary requirements or location. Because I want to hire people in New York because we are in the office two days a week. And, you know, with the media, you have to be in town and talking with them and meeting with them. Um, so, so there's been aspects like that that have ultimately not let us get over the finish line, mm-hmm. but they have put good people in front of us. So I'm okay. hopeful it's it's going to work out. So if if they're um, if you feel they're putting good people in front of you, but you've had salary challenges or some other challenges, do you feel that that could have been avoided by by the agency? Or, or by your partnership being a little more clear on what you need and and then maybe f- filtering out some of those people before you even get to them. Maybe, but um, but also what I found is, you know, we've we've made offers to people or, you know, or, or not offers, but, you know, wanted to go to the next yes. round of interviews. And then in between that time, which is only a couple of days, 
the candidates already accepted another position, you know, and then, and then when we get started, sometimes talking about salary requirements, one candidate was at the beginning of their search. So they said, okay, here's the salary I want to make. And I said, okay, that works for us in our range. And then as they went on to apply other places, they realized that they could command an even higher salary from bigger agencies. So then it changed. So I don't know if that was something that the staffing agency could have, you know, intuited, um, Mm -hmm. but it's just crazy. Like people are, you know, it's just, everything's moving really, you know, the old adage, hire fast, hire slow. Yeah. we, we can't hire slow because if you see somebody great, you really need to jump on it ASAP. At least that's been my experience. Yeah. And I mean, it's a, com- it's complicated, right? Um, the market is very, very odd. I've in 30 years, never, never. I mean, it, the tech boom was probably the, the last closest place I could point to when things like this were happening, where it was a complete, you know, employees, you know, candidates market. But, you know, I think what, uh, what we've learned uh, is, and I had this conversation yesterday in my leadership panel, the importance of whether it's a candidate or, or a company's market, you really shouldn't be changing your strategies, right? Because you, you can't just say to a candidate, well, it's a client's market, so screw you. We're going to just, you know, treat you like crap because people, people have a long memory, right? I, I agree with that totally. And I think you have to always make sure that the for me, the way I service my clients mm-hmm. and the end work product that we put out is never compromised. But I will say we're in, we're fortunate, we're getting more new business than we have Wonderful. staffing capacity for. So I'm, I'm needing to make some concessions yes. in, in order to take on business that's a really good fit and that we really want to have our, in our client roster. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, there's, it's, it's just, it's hard, it's hard right now. And I, I think that's being felt kind of across. I would industries. absolutely agree. It's, 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 it's across all industries, really. Um, there is, there is a total war for talent right now. So, so PR is a highly competitive market. How do you, how do you distinguish and separate yourself from your competitors out there? Well, um, what we really specialize in is media relations. And I think um, there are not as many PR agencies that have their main focus in media relations. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of PR agencies do strategy or branding or this or that. Um, but what what sets us apart is our ability to get our clients meaningful press placements. Um, so have multiple clients on national TV every single day. Mm-hmm. We have multiple clients in national newspapers, major websites, magazines every single day. So we are really delivering um, those results for our clients. And I, I do think that's what sets us apart. That's fantastic. So how do you, how do you market Annie? Uh, I mean, are you doing outbound? Are you, is, you know, is it inbound? Is it a combination? What does that look like? We're, we're really fortunate. Most of our new business is coming from referrals. Fantastic. Um, so I uh, have been really fortunate in mm-hmm. that way. We do invest in SEO, um, which has been quite helpful. Um, and we get, ever since we started doing that, our inbound leads have increased dramatically. So that's been awesome. And I'm very active in terms of LinkedIn posting and 
and putting myself out there. So, right. you know, doing different interviews, speaking engagements, I write for different outlets from time mm-hmm. to time. Um, and those have all been um, fruitful as well. Yeah, that's wonderful. Do you have any kind of um, uh, long-term vision for where your company's going? I mean, are you interested in getting acquired? Are you just going to kind of continue to grow it and run it till maybe you sell it 20 years from now or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm open if the price is right um, to sell my to sell my business. I mean, I think all kidding all kidding aside, yeah. it's been 12 years I've been doing this. Um, mm-hmm. almost 42. I don't know that I I don't think I want to do my current role for the next like 30 years. I don't I don't think I want to do that. Um, but I would always want to ensure that my clients and my staff are in the best possible position. And I'm happy doing what I'm doing right now. So I would say the answer is I'm open. Yeah, it depends. You know, um, I'm, I'm open. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your leadership style. Like, how do you describe that? So I just actually did an interview with um, Co, which is the magazine for Chamber of Commerce. Mm-hmm. And I talked my leadership style is an inclusive one, uh, which I I touched on a little bit before, but um, I just, when when I was working in TV news at all of the different networks, I always felt incredibly micromanaged and my staff would probably laugh if they said, if they thought I wasn't a micromanager, but the way that I used to be was so intense. And I'm a lot more hands-off now just because um, I think as you continue to grow in your leadership, you have to step back from certain things so you can put your brain power where it's going to be most valuable. Right. But when I say inclusive, I try to ask my staff, what do you think we should do? You know, what's your, what would your approach be with this client? Um, I want them to, I don't want to be barking orders. I want, I want to hear their ideas and have mm-hmm. them sort of think for themselves. And then they can have that independence and agency over, you know, what they're, what right. they're working on. Um, and like I said before, I'm the kind of person that's like, let's try it. If it doesn't work, then we can stop or course correct. And, um, you know, I think some members of my team are a little more pragmatic, um, which is great for me to have that balance, you know, um, with them. But I guess that's how I would describe it, inclusive in nature. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and would they describe it the same way, your employees? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> if I ask them to describe you as a leader? <laughs> I think so. I mean, uh-huh. we're. I feel really lucky because the majority of my staff has been with me for many years. Um, and, and so I feel really incredibly lucky mm-hmm. um, about that. And at the end of the day, I just... I want people to be happy working with me, you know? So I, we do spend a lot of time sort of checking in. We have weekly one-on-one meetings with every member of our team. Management does that. We do like employee surveys a couple of times a year to kind of just see areas we can improve in. Um, We have a really good, um, you know, uh, bonus program. Um, So sort of try to always like incentivize um, our staff that way. So I think so. So that that sounds like a lot of good retention strategies that you're that you that you have. So are you fully? Are, did you fully bootstrap Annie, or did you take any outside money to help you get up and running? No, I I did it all on my own. Um, which wasn't 
a heavy lift because um, in a service industry right. like mine, all I needed was my phone, my laptop, and Wi-Fi, right. and I was good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my my biggest expenses are is payroll. You know, is just paying myself and paying them mm-hmm. fair, um, fairly. So, nope, did it did it all myself. That's that's what I have. You ever considered taking any kind of outside funding, or, or if there's has there ever been a necessity to do that to think about it? Um, I think it would require us being able to spend a lot more of of my day-to-day time and my executive leadership's time on like strategy, you know, for growing the business. So I'm not opposed to it, but at the same time, I look at how far we've come from when I started Mm -hmm. and I I kind of, I I would prefer to just keep going that way, you know, and doing it on my own as opposed to having to answer to investors. Mm Uh, you, you talked a little bit about, you know, your past leadership style versus how you're leading now. How did you come on that epiphany? Have you had any kind of leadership training or coaching or like, what have you, you know, mentorship, what have you done to, to change that in yourself? Yeah. Um, uh, last year we started working with a consultant, um, who really, really helped us think smartly about ways to structure the company. Good. But a big part of that also was, leadership. Um, and so she's helped us to implement a few different things, um, within the company that have helped in, in that, in that way. One of them is called career conversations, which is so fun. Um, it's broken into three different series that you do, um, one-on-one with a member of your team. Um, the first conversation is where you sort of get to know your employee and what got them to this moment, what Mm -hmm. got them to the moment. Right. career working with you. The second conversation is about their dreams and where they want to go in their their career. And then the third conversation is how to kind of bring those two aspects together to have success in their current role and within the current organization. So um, so that's been incredibly good valuable for me getting to know the staff. And I think, um, I hope shows the team that we're, you know, invested in them and we want to make sure that we're partnering with them on their, on their sort of career journey. Right. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's just one more retention strategy, right. Is having a, I mean, that's really a culture of feedback and, and having your employees understand and actually get that you are what I would say authentically interested in them where they want to be, you know, I mean, employees don't stay forever. And it's important to think, okay, so what do we need to do to keep employees as long as we can? I, I, I that's really, we do spend a lot of time thinking of that and, and implementing th- aspects within the company, little and big, um, mm-hmm. you know, little things from every now and then surprising the team with, you know, a $5 Starbucks gift cards for them to go like get a coffee in the company all the way to, you know, our bonus structure program mm-hmm. where they have, you know, some real incentives to, to make additional money at the end of the year. So, um, but yeah, especially in this market where hiring is so challenging, yeah. retaining talent, um, is, is very important to us. In those conversations, Annie, do you ask the, your employees or whomever is having these conversations, uh, point blank, you know, you've been here two years. We, you know, we love you to stay at least another three to five. What's that going to take? What's going to keep you here? I haven't asked somebody that point blank. No. Um, but I, I, I would, 
But I think as a result of these career conversations, um, it would it mm-hmm. would be something that would kind of perhaps come out of that once I get to know a little bit more where everybody on my team sort of is at in 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 their careers. But mm-hmm. I feel pretty confident, at least in my senior leadership team, that people are happy and content and kind of want to stay. Um, you know, with the younger team, I I hope they will, but I also understand if any of them want to venture out and try something mm-hmm. new. I mean, I had like 10 jobs, you know, before I started. Right. Um, so I can definitely relate to that. And we actually had our first Boomerang employee um, last year come awesome. back to us. Yeah. She went Grass wasn't so much greener on the other side after all, huh? (laughs) No, and I mean, it felt good, but it feels good to be able to part ways with somebody, keep that relationship and that door open. And, you you know, you never know what, what, what. That's actually fantastic. Um, What would you say are the biggest challenges that you're facing, uh, not just with Pace PR, but within your industry overall? Um, well, the media and I will take publishing magazines are closing left and right, or they're scaling way, way back on Mm -hmm. issues. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of real estate, when it comes to print, I would say there's just a lot more competition, meaning there's, you know, 10 years ago, there wasn't as many startups as there are now. And all these startups want PR, Mm -hmm. you know, and want to get, so there's just more competition, Mm -hmm. um, out there for sure. Um, uh, and I think too, like we have a thought leadership division where we work with a lot of political pundits and lawyers and that can kind of like insert themselves in the news conversation. Um, but the news is really intense. You know, it was either like Trump 24 seven pandemic 24 seven, now yeah. it's Ukraine 24 seven. Right. Um, I just remember 10 years ago, 12 years ago, when I started on any given cable news network, on any given hour, there would be a political story, but then there would be a foreign policy story, a legal story, a health story, a tech story. There was just like a little more diversity in terms of what the news was covering. Um, So again, I think that real estate has sort of shrunk a little bit. Um, Do you have a particular, you know, what you would consider an ideal client that you take on that you know you'll be able to be successful with? Well, we have several and, you know, I, I would, I would say that for me, folks who have a really strong background steep in politics, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, or medical or health, just given this exact moment in time, we, we do very well with, um, but we have a really, really strong, um, business division where we have a lot of, um, clients in climate sustainability, mm-hmm. um, which has a really rewarding and growing sector for us. Um, but we also have a very robust lifestyle division where we have, um, health experts, uh, fitness products, uh, you know, authors. So it has to be somebody who, or someone or a company that does really great work and that we believe in. Um, and that has and that has a story to tell, you know, if they have a story to tell and they're willing to kind of like be part of the national conversation, we can be successful and get them in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you say a little bit about your financial model? Uh, sure. We do a monthly retainer. Um, and so that's, that's across the board for all of our clients. Um, our rates range between 5,000 and 15,000 a month. Mm-hmm. And 
typically speaking, we sign six month contracts to start. Got it. Okay. Um, and, and what is your, your goal? Like how many placements per month is your goal to get somebody in? Is it, you know, getting them on TV, getting them in the newsprint? What kind of, how does that figure? So it totally depends just on what the goals are sure. with the client. I mean, for our political clients, they're on TV a couple times a week, mm-hmm. you know, um, yes. for our lifestyle clients, they might do one hit a month, you know, on, on TV. Cause there's just not as many segments for like to demo, you know, a cooking segment right. or a fitness, right. a fitness segment. Um, but I would say, you know, on par, most of our clients have several meaningful press placements per month. Um, so that's kind of what we strive for. Fantastic. Uh, what, if anything, bugs you about your industry? What bugs me? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like what bugs me is how constant it is all the time, but also I enjoy that um, because I like to be busy, but it moves really fast. I think I just wish on most days I was like, 10% less busy, you know, and had like a little more time to think more strategically. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think that, and, and, um, you know, I think in terms of like client gripes, I think a lot of clients sort of think that they should, you know, be, have its segment on the Today Show or, you know, or, or be featured in the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, like, right. Week. And, you know, and so it's, it's getting them to understand sort of how, it works really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, is something that is, right. is a bit of a struggle. Well, and, and, you know, being on the day show might be all fine and dandy, but is, you know, depending on the person, is that their audience? A hundred. Other than, other than and, them to say, yeah, I was on the day show. Well, you know, if, if, you know, if my audience isn't there, well then who cares? Why would I want to be on the today show? And I think there's there's a lot of work we do in terms of like educating our clients. You know, most people like, listen, what we do is not rocket science. Like, you know, anybody can be a consumer of the news, a consumer of the media and mm-hmm. have their thoughts and opinions. But we have the decades of experience to tell, you know, I always tell this story. I had a client who wrote a book and she did a really cute segment with um, live with Kelly and Michael, huge show. And then she did um, a a radio show in Minneapolis where she was from promoting her book. And she sold more copies of her book doing the radio show than she did. Yeah, right. Because of the audience. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think there is a fair amount of that of just, you know, and then we have some clients over the years who thought, well, you know, why do I need to pay them? I could do it myself and pitch myself and usually doesn't end well. <laughs> yeah. That, well, that. you know, I, I, I say it all the time and I will say it again here that stay in your lane in your own genius and hire people to do the things that they, in their genius. That's I, I agree with you. Yeah. So so that leads me to um, a question about when you get your, your clients, have they already been, you know, wasting money with some, you know, do it, trying to do it themselves or some other PR company? Like <laughs> what, what, what are the experiences they've had or have they even had any when they come to you? It's totally across the board. Some clients have had, have done absolutely zero to put themselves out there. Many have worked with other agencies or other publicists. Mm-hmm. Um, and some have, have done it themselves and, and done a good job. Um, I think most companies who want, who are ambitious about growing at some point 
wind up hiring a PR firm or yeah. a publicist. Yeah. Um, and I think, listen, what we do is so personal that mm-hmm. it makes sense that sometimes it takes a few tries before you can find the people that you really vibe with. You know, it's not going to be a good fit for every single you know, person mm-hmm. you try you try to work with. Um, but when you find that connection, I think then it, for at least what we've seen is it really grows into a longstanding relationship because we try to always really partner with our clients yes. and really try to understand who they are and mm-hmm. what's important to mm-hmm. them. Um, you know, and, 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 that's what's going to make a successful relationship in PR and the media. And, and, you know, Annie, it's the same thing that makes a successful hire for you. All those same things. A hundred percent. Like I always say, one of the top traits I really look for is just curiosity. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want people to be curious about the industry, about their clients, you know, about the media outlets they're pitching. If you don't have that sort of mm-hmm. desire to just keep learning and to and to and to grow with your clients and with your colleagues, you know, you're not gonna probably go too far in your career. Right. Um let me step back a minute to, uh, to you hiring. And in the past, when you've made, as, as everyone has, when you've made hiring mistakes, can you point to why that was, um, you know, and, and what you learned from no, that? And I can, I, but I, what I learned is, and what I will never do again is, um, is I, I was guilty of several times letting an employee stay way too long when yeah. I knew I should have let them go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say that, uh, you know, if I had, if I had adopted this philosophy earlier would have saved me months and months, sometimes years of literally like sort of procrastination yeah. and kicking hand down the road. Um, if an employee isn't working out and you know that in your bones, it's, it's probably not going to get better mm-hmm. um, from there. Right. Yeah. Well, and again, that's, that's, I think every, every founder has got that story somewhere in in their background. So where do you see yourself uh, growing here over the next year or two? Well, we have some pretty aggressive growth plans Mm -hmm. in terms of just like revenue that we want to hit and profitability that Mm -hmm. we want to hit. But we are um, starting to be really strategic about the types of clients we want to go after. So I mentioned climate sustainability is really important for us. Um, We've done a lot of work in the prop tech space um, and have Mm -hmm. a a few new products on the horizon there. my colleagues in lifestyle, they're really, they're trying to grow that. We have a great new client called the Lit Method, which is this awesome pro, uh, exercise process and uh, machine, uh, low impact training it stands for. So we're just trying to find, you know, those, those, those clients, those products, those people, those brands that we really um, believe in and that we think we will be able to be successful and that the world will want to hear about and sort of, you know, using our expertise in the media to help get them press. What does your day to day look like as a leader? Um, well, I start my day pretty early in the morning, like six or 7am and the producer in me still consumes a ton of news in the morning. So I'm watching cable news and then the today show I'm reading like 10 different newsletters and just going on Google news and different sites. Um, and that sort of helps get me set up for the day where I can tell my colleagues, okay, pitch this client to this network. Let's do a pitch on this, you know, Mm -hmm. to these types of reporters. Mm -hmm. Um, and then from there, I would say like 
nine to five hours is a mix of me taking new business calls, um, of me doing employee management, um, and, and still pitching and, and work on the client side. I still really value the relationships I have with different mm-hmm. producers. Mm-hmm. Um, and spend time reaching out to them more strategically than I had in the past, but mm-hmm. reaching out to them nevertheless. Mm-hmm. Do, do you, prior to the pandemic, did you have office space and where everybody came in every day? And then how did you adjust that and where are you now? Yep. We had a nice big office on 57th street where everybody came in every day, not, you know, eight to five, very, very standard, traditional, mm-hmm. um, we were lucky because that lease was up in August 2020, so we did not renew. Wow, was that um, lucky. Oof. Yeah, so that was great. Saved a ton of money there, which was awesome. And then um, now we are in a two-day-a-week in the office um, situation, and I think we will probably maintain some mm-hmm. iteration of that. Um, I don't foresee me mandating people have to be in the office five days a week anymore, but want, but it is extremely important to us that we do have our staff working together Mm -hmm. in the office in real life, because that's where creativity, you know, um, and, and brainstorms can really make a difference. Yeah. Do you feel that that it is more so that way to, to have brainstorming sessions in person versus if, you know, five of you are sitting on a zoom call? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think like Zoom is better than nothing, and it's definitely helped when we yeah. when we needed it to. But yeah, I just and and sometimes it doesn't even have to be like we have a brainstorm on the calendar for one o'clock today. It could just be you're in the office, you're chatting, you get an email comes through, and you're like, oh, listen to this email I just got, and maybe it just spurs a conversation, you know, between amongst colleagues. Um, I think without having that aspect, you're just you're just missing something. And I think you're talking about you know employee retention. I think actually employees are happier when they have those moments, you know, mm-hmm. and feel like they can connect with yeah. their staff in a real way. I agree. I mean, you'll not get an argument out of me there. I think that's a, having a balance of in-person and remote, I think the vast majority of companies, that's how it's going to be like in perpetuity. Right. right. And, and so many companies right. have realized that, I, I mean, there's so many examples I've heard over the last two years of companies that never thought that they would have people working from home and they couldn't believe how successful it was. Yeah, it really, it really works, you know, and we were lucky because we, we did a great job and worked really well together as a team when we were a hundred percent remote. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We can do it. You totally can, but you know, I don't, I don't want that's not really PR then. Then you're just like sending emails all day long. Mm-hmm. You know, I want staff to be out in the world. Right. No, I, I, I agree. So if somebody wanted to get into the PR industry right now, what would you, what kind of advice would you give them? Um, well, I, I, I teach at NYU and this has been a big topic of conversation because my students have told me that it's extremely difficult to get a job right now, which doesn't make sense to me because <laughs> I can't find anyone to hire. My advice is if someone wants to get in this industry, do a search of PR agencies that you would like to work at. And then reach out to the founder of that company, someone in C-suite, anybody you can connect with on LinkedIn, you know, just applying for jobs where there's an open job listing probably is not going to move the needle for you uh, because there's going to be hundreds of applicants Mm -hmm. and they probably are in mind anyway. Make a real connection. 
with somebody. You know, if somebody sends me an email and says, Hey, Annie, I really want to get in PR and I was looking you up and I listened to your podcast and I saw you represent this client. I'd love to just pick your brain. I'm always going to say yes, you know, to talking to that person. Um, and I think it requires, um, you know, vulnerability on yes. behalf of the job seeker, you know, but that's okay. Like if, if you don't take that risk, you're probably not going to get the reward. I, I completely agree. I mean, that is, that is advice. The internet, the good, the good news and bad news, there's always good news and bad news about the internet, right? And the bad news about the internet, it's made people super lazy. And it's made people, you know, companies think, oh, well, you know, we can, you know, instead of doing the want ads, we'll just post. Well, that's still a want ad, right? And who, who's looking? People who are looking for a job. So I've said my whole career, you know, that is one of the methods that I've said to people, you know, who, you know, who are you interested in working for? Right. Yes, Let's look exactly. at our, you know, who are the particular companies? Why are you interested in, in potentially, potentially working for them? Right. Exploring, exploring that company. Um, show that you're proactive. I mean, especially in, in, in PR, as you've described it and having to be really, you know, scrappy and, and assertive and really getting out there. Um, you know, if, if somebody who's just going to send an email and forget about it, I mean, is that really somebody you want working for you? Right. I couldn't agree more. If somebody doesn't, somebody has to do their research and at least have an idea of what they want to accomplish, you know, or do it's like, it's, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's just, because I want to know that that person is taking the time to be thoughtful Mm -hmm. about their own career. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, I appreciate that. Yeah. What would, and it may depend on the industry, but what would a client of yours say, boy, I, they were really successful for, for me and here's why? Um, well, on the sort of, you know, transactional level, if we get really great placements, I think that's sort of one of the, the final results. Right. Um, hopefully those placements lead to either increased customer base yes. for clients okay, or good. leads to other connections or visibility or, you know, et, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But what it ultimately does, I think, is helps to raise the credibility, credibility and legitimacy mm-hmm. of our clients because yeah. if they can say, you know, as seen on CNN or as mm-hmm. featured in the New York Times, people pay attention to that, sure. you know, and it's meaning, it's meaningful for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also just successful partnerships come mm-hmm. from when our clients feel like we really understand and know their industry and their brand. Mm-hmm. And then we can come to the table with suggestions of how to enhance that brand, you know, and how to put it out there. Um, that's ultimately what they're, what they're hiring us for. That's great. So if someone listening, Annie, uh, is thinking, oh, I'd be interested in talking to this company, what uh, what should they do? Yes, um, you can find me uh, online. The website is pacepublicrelations.com. Um, and you can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter, Annie Sprenton. I don't think there's too many others with my name, so you'll find well, me. Or, or maybe not, at least in, in, the, in the city, in New York City. Exactly. Okay, fantastic. Um, so as you just said, your your uh, website is pacepublicrelations.com. Um, is there anything else that I have missed that you would like to comment on or add or say? No, I mean, just thank you so much for the opportunity. And if anyone is listening and is interested in, in getting, you know, inquiring about how to get their cells or their company in the media, mm-hmm. please feel free to reach out. Fantastic. Well, Annie, it, it's just been a, a delight uh, on, on a number of levels. Um, one, uh, one of the most important things to me, of course, is highlighting 
other successful women, right? I, I think we don't do it enough. And I have a, a mission, not that I don't want to interview wonderful men, but I'm always really interested in, in interviewing, you know, just amazing, successful women. And I really want to thank you for your time today. Thank you. That's so kind of you to say. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Authentically Successful. If you are a successful founder or CEO who would like to be on this program, please visit verticalelevation.com slash podcast slash apply. If you learned something from this interview and it made a difference, please share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend. And if you know of someone who would be a great guest, tag them on LinkedIn or Twitter to let them know about the show and include the hashtag authentically successful. I love seeing your posts and great suggestions. Lastly, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. And to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to our website, verticalelevation.com, or follow me on LinkedIn. This is Carol Schultz. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. 